Section 10 of Journal of the Reverend Francis Asbury, Volume 3. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Brian Keenan. Sunday 7. We had preaching at Killian's. William M. Kendry went forward upon, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. My subject was Hebrews 3, 12, 13. On Monday I parted from dear William M. Kendry. I made for Mr. Fletcher's upon Mud Creek. He received me with great attention, and the kind offer of everything in the house necessary for the comfort of man and beast. We could not be prevailed on to tarry for the night, so we set off after dinner, and he accompanied us several miles. We housed for the night at the Widow Johnson's. I was happy to find that in the space of two years, God had manifested his goodness and his power in the hearts of many upon the solitary banks and isolated glades of French Broad. Some subjects of grace there were before, amongst Methodists, Presbyterians, and Baptists. On Tuesday I dined at Benjamin Davidson's, a house I had lodged and preached at two years ago. We labored along eighteen mountain miles, eight ascent on the west side, and as many on the east side of the mountain. The descent of Siluda exceeds all I know, from the province of Maine to Kentucky and Cumberland. I had dreaded it, fearing I should not be able to walk or ride such steeps. Nevertheless, with time, patience, labor, two sticks, and above all a good providence, I came in about five o'clock, to ancient Father John Douthitz, Greenville County, South Carolina. Here I found myself at home, amongst kind and attentive friends. On the Sabbath day I preached at my lodgings, upon Joshua twenty-four fifteen. Surely the people about here are not the worst in the settlement, and they will mend, and attend the ministration of the word better in future. I have heard of successful meetings which have been held by encampments upon the Catawba, at Morgantown, Suenino, Pendleton, Greenville in North and South Carolina. Ministers of the different denominations had attended. More circumstantial accounts I have not yet been able to obtain. Mr. Newton, a Presbyterian minister, in Buncombe County, appears to be greatly engaged in the spirit of the work. Since my being in this house, for five or six days past, I have been afflicted with painful flatulencies. Sit still, I could not. To read and write I was unable, but I could wind, reel, and pluck out cotton, and thus I employed my fingers. I have now nearly completed the six thousand miles since the last of July of the last year. Great and fiery trials, great succeeding consolations. I would here record that James Lowry, an agreeable, pious youth, rode with me for the last seventy miles. I feel truly grateful to him and to his family. May the same measure of kindness be always meted to him and his, and to all such affectionate young men, and feeling attentive people. South Carolina, Tuesday, 16. After resting a day, I lectured in the family upon Luke eleven thirteen, and on Wednesday left this affectionate household, 
directing my course to Solomon James's, in the neighborhood of George's Creek, Pendleton County. I preached the funeral sermon of Polly James, the daughter of my host. Here I met with Major James Tarrant, a local preacher, riding the circuit. We went on to Samuel Bergen's and lodged. I had vainly questioned in my mind the probable cause of the name of Ninety-Six. It was this, it seems. During an Indian war, in which there was an expedition against the Kiwi towns, it was found by measurement that it was ninety-six miles from that spot to Twelve Mile Creek. Thursday, 18. I rested and wrote. Friday, 19. I preached at Samuel Burden's on Hebrews 6.12, and pretty fully explained the doctrine of Christian baptism and Christian perfection. Saturday, 20. I gave a sermon at John Wilson's, in which I treated largely on the right of persons who were awakened to receive baptism and also upon the claim of infants to this holy rite of the Church. Sunday 21 At Salem, upon the Saluda, I preached upon Matthew 28, 1920. In the first general head of my discourse, it was considered who were to be taught, all, of all nations. What these were to be taught, to experience, to do, and to suffer. In the second, who were to be baptized? Men, women, children, and infants. The form of the rite, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. The reasons why, it might be presumed, this form of words was given. Because, in this solemn exposition of the eternal trinity, in eternal unity, is shown the relations which the Godhead in the three persons bears to our creation redemption, and spiritual baptism, of which the rite is only the outward and visible sign. The claim of children, it was stated, arose out of the general love and benevolence of God, and the general and universal influences of the Spirit. Baptism, it was observed, was taken from the apostles, and practiced in all the primitive and in all the first reformed churches throughout the world. Under the third head, I tried to explain the nature and the importance of the precious promise, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. I went home with James Tarrant, a local preacher. My friend has, for two quarters, filled a traveling preacher's place, and a very acceptable servant he has proved to be. Monday 22 I rode to Thomas Terry's upon the forks of Reedy River. Tuesday, 23. My mind is occupied in reading, writing, and exercises in prayer, in which I have intimate communion with God. I now feel as if it were my duty to preach more particularly on the subjects of sanctification and baptism. I have nearly finished my 6,000 miles. To God be all the glory. But ah, what small fruit of my labor, since August 1801. How little do I speak of God and to precious souls. God, be merciful to me, a sinner.
Wednesday 24. At Thomas Terry's, I gave an exhortation in the evening on 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Next day I went to Nathan Bramblett's. I called to see Mrs. Price, eldest daughter of my once dear old friend, Alexander Light, formerly of Baltimore. I feel much for those dear children, for whom I have been praying, some twenty and others thirty years. I think the time long until they are converted. I was made as welcome by the children, I doubt not, as the parents would have made me had they been living and present. In the evening I returned to Mr. M. Keith's. Sunday 28. At Bramblett's Chapel I spoke on Acts 2, 37-39. Monday 29. We had a cold, hungry ride of thirty miles to Henry Culver Davis's, a native of Maryland, and now of Newberry District, South Carolina. The first society we formed at this place declined, and so many removed, few were left. This year they repaired the meeting-house, and the Lord poured out his Spirit, and nearly one hundred have been added. I found the labors of L. Myers and B. Wheeler had been greatly blessed in Broad River Circuit, South Carolina. On Tuesday we had a gracious rain, and cool weather followed. On Wednesday I preached at Odell's Meeting House, on 2 Corinthians 13, 9. I rode home with Benjamin Herndon. On Thursday at Bethel, I heard Lewis Myers preach on John 17, 15. Friday, December 3. I rested and read and wrote. I find that excessive riding, in some degree, incapacitates me for the duty of preaching. At Edward Finch's, George Douthat and myself were engaged to put Mount Bethel School in operation. I advised to finish the house for teaching below, and lodging above. Sunday 5 At Bethel I spoke on Hebrews 6, 1, 2. On Monday I rested, and on Tuesday passed the day with George Clark, and preached there on 2 Timothy 2, 10-12. Wednesday 8. We had the first snow. I was very unwell with a total privation of appetite, accompanied with a high fever. Thursday 9. I crossed Tiger River and came to Major Bird Beaufort's. I improved upon 2 Timothy 4, 7, 8. I rode down to Nathan Glen's at Broad River. We had a severe season of cold weather, which occasioned very uncomfortable feelings. Sunday 12. I was called upon by recommendation to ordain Stephen Shell, John Wallace, and David Owen to the office of deacons. There were seven of us present who minister in holy things. My subject was 2 Timothy 4, 1-2. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and doctrine. It was observed of St. Paul that before finishing his course, he had adopted Timothy, ordained him, 
and left this charge, a dying charge given by a dying martyred apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, and left on record for all who ordain, and all who shall be ordained to the ministry to the end of the world, a charge given as in the immediate presence of God, whose attributes and perfections are great and glorious, and the Lord Jesus Christ, in his divine character, and in his important offices and relations to mankind, ministers being his servants, the people his flock, and the word his own eternal word of truth and salvation, who is now, and shall be hereafter, the judge of all our actions. Preach the word, the word of repentance, of faith, of justification, of regeneration, and of sanctification. Reprove. There are special uses to be made of the word to convince sinners of all degrees, classes, characters, and modes of faith. Rebuke. Rebuke backsliders. Rebuke errors in practice, and negligence in duty. Exhort. Exhort souls rebuked and convinced, to seek the restoring, persevering grace of God. It was shown how ministers should time their labors, regulating them as favorable or unfavorable seasons would seem to require, and the necessity of preserving the faith and meekness which might enable them to labor with all long-suffering and doctrine. Monday 13. We crossed Broad River at James Glen's flat. We called upon the aged people, prayed, and came to Benjamin Rowell's, Chester District. Tuesday 14. I preached at Robert Walker's, upon Philippians 2, 12, 13. I inverted the order of the text. 1. It is God who worketh in the hearts of sinners, seekers, and believers, to will and to do of his own good pleasure, which is their personal, present, future, and eternal salvation. See Ezekiel 33, 2. Luke 12, 32. Hebrews 10, 38. 2. That all who desire this salvation should be active in penitence, faith, and regeneration, using every means of grace, and performing every duty connected with holiness here, and preparatory to heaven hereafter. Wednesday 15. We rode until evening, and lodged at Mr. Washington's, near the Watery Creek, which gives the name to the river. Thursday 16. Crossed at Chestnut's Ferry, and came into Camden. It is but a trifle to ride in this country thirty miles without food for man or beast. On Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we had excessively cold weather, and sleet and snow. We held our meeting in Isaac Smith's house, and I preached twice. Monday 20. I rode down to James Rembert's upon the head of Black River. I came here that I might enjoy a little solitude, and find time to answer my northern letters. Until Friday evening I was pretty well occupied in writing. Saturday 25, Christmas Day I preached at Rembert's Chapel, and on Sunday James Patterson spoke on Enoch Walked with God. 
there is a great change in this settlement. Many attend with seriousness and tears. Whenever our preachers gain the confidence of the lowland planters, if indeed that time shall ever be, so that the masters will give us all the liberty we ought to have, there will be thousands of the poor slaves converted to God. The patient must be personally visited by the physician before advice and medicine will be proper. And so it is, and must ever be, with the sin-sick soul and the spiritual physician. Letters from the North announce very pleasing intelligence of a great work of God in Maryland and in parts of Virginia. Tuesday, 28. Yesterday and today I have been busy writing letters. My general experience is close communion with God, holy fellowship with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, a will resigned, frequent addresses to a throne of grace, a constant serious care for the prosperity of Zion, forethought in the arrangements and appointments of the preachers, a soul drawn out in ardent prayer for the universal church and the complete triumph of Christ over the whole earth. Amen, amen, so be it. I have finished many letters and adjusted some plans. For my amusement and edification, I was curious to read the first volume of my journals. I compared my former with my latter self. It was little I could do thirty years ago, and I do less now. Thursday 30. Road to Camden. On Friday I read in public some letters and narrative of the work of God. Thursday, January 6, 1803. I wrote three large letters to the north, and put myself in order for traveling. From Saturday until Wednesday the time was spent in conference, and in public exercises. We had preaching every noon and evening. Seven elders and four deacons were ordained. Of preachers, two were admitted, one had located, none were dead, and none were expelled. We had great peace and union in our labors, two days of which were directed to the explanation and recommendation of discipline, as it respects the order of the Church. We have added, in this conference, 3,371 to our number. Friday 7. A cold day. We came to Mr. Evans's on Congaree, 30 miles. Saturday 8. We crossed Congaree at Howells Ferry, almost abandoned. The flat was so small that our horses, had they not been quiet, might have endangered us. It was well we chose this ferry, for we should have had a more roundabout road, and more swamp. We reached John Whetstone's at the end of thirty-three miles, in good time, and were most kindly and comfortably entertained. At the meeting-house on the Sabbath day, Anne Snethen spoke on 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, 10. My subject was 2 Corinthians 13, 9. I. Smith exhorted, George Doherty prayed, and so we concluded. The cold weather prevented many, yet the house was full, and on the sunny side, without, there were numbers. Monday 10. We rode twelve miles to Dantzler's. 
I have been greatly supported under long rides, by my computation making six thousand miles, and cold, and wet, and sufferings, and privations. My soul is devoted to God. As there are many who preach upon the first principles of the oracles of the gospel of Christ, I feel it my duty to speak chiefly upon perfection, and above all, to strive to attain unto that which I preach. On Tuesday I spoke at the White Meeting House on 2 Corinthians 7, 1. We lodged at Mr. Winningham's. Next day Ensnethan preached at Cattle Creek. We lodged at Mr. Simpson's. On Thursday at the Indian Fields, I spoke on 1 John 4, 16-17. We lodged at Moore's. Glory to God for a natural and spiritual birth in this family since my last visit. On Friday at the Cyprus, I only exhorted. Sister Hare is dying of a cancer, but she appears to rejoice exceedingly in God, day and night. On Saturday, we rode into Charleston. On the Sabbath day, I preached on Romans 5.20. I was blessed in the administration of the word and ordinances. I live in the victory of the grace of God in purity of mind and uprightness of intention. Tuesday and Wednesday, 18.19, were days made glorious by the visits of the poor Africans who came to visit me. We frequently prayed together. Thursday 20. We came to Hadwell's Point, dined at Mr. Pritchard's, rode up to Wapitaw, and lodged at Mr. Jones's, where we were well entertained. Next day, it being very stormy and cold, we were compelled to stop at Santee Lower Ferry. Saturday 22. We came to Georgetown, still cold. At the ferry we could scarcely get firewood to keep us warm. We had bad bedding, and I suffered in my body, but my mind was at peace. Sabbath Day 23 I preached at Georgetown from 1 Timothy 4.10. Anne Snethan preached in the afternoon, and James Mellard in the evening. I visited Miss Dick. Ah, how changed every way! Had I not expected to see her, I might not have known her. I administered the sacrament in her room. Monday 24 At Black River Chapel, I spoke on Matthew 6, 31-33. We crossed the river at Evans's Ferry and lodged at the Widow M. Cantry's. Next day I preached at Jenkins's Chapel, and after meeting rode up to Port's Ferry. We lodged at Thomas Humphreys's. Wednesday 26. I preached at the Bear Ponds upon Hebrews 8, 10, 11. We dined at Mr. Shackelford's and thence went on to Gaspero Suites. Thursday 27. Ensnethan preached at Rowell's Meeting House. I added a few words on St. Paul's triumphant words in 2 Timothy 4, 7. We lodged at the widow Davis's, a daughter of Mr. Dunham, at whose house I had lodged some years back. I have lived to serve three generations in South Carolina. Friday 28. 
at Wood's Meeting House, and Snethen preached. I only glossed a little, upon Second Corinthians 4, 3. We lodged at Old Mr. Wood's, Marion District. Saturday, 29. We rode to George Shanks, Marlborough District, upon Great P.D. I have ridden 260 miles towards the 7,000. My mind hath been very calm, but we have had it so severely cold, and the meeting-houses are so open between this and Charleston, that I fear the congregations have profited little by the word. Sabbath 30 At Harris's chapel, at the head of Catfish, I preached upon Ephesians 2.8. We lodged with Captain Neville. He and his wife appear to be seeking the Lord. Monday 31 We rode a muddy path to Gibson's Chapel, Pole Chapel, open as a sieve, and the weather very cold. And Snethen preached upon Philippians 4.8. I only added a few pointed scattering shot in exhortation. I came off with a very slim breakfast, and then after meeting had to ride on to North Britain, Drake's, Robinson County, North Carolina. Here is a settlement of Scotch, originally. It began in the year 1771, since which time the descendants of these emigrants are chiefly in Cumberland, Richmond, and some in Anson, Robinson, and Bladen counties, and some are over the line south. There is a work of God amongst them, and some living young ministers have been raised up. Perhaps the rebellion of forty-five made those people averse to all opposition to the powers that be, and they were Tories during the American Revolution, only because they remembered their former failures and sufferings, and those of their fathers. The open dwellings, only calculated for warm weather, occasioned the people of South Carolina to suffer more in cold spells, than those of the east or north. Let those who doubt this make the trial for one winter. I have felt great lowness of spirits, but a holy resignation in the midst of cold, hunger, thirst, labor, and temptations. North Carolina, Tuesday, February 1. I preached upon the glorious subject of Christian perfection. My text I found in Hebrews 6, 1. Next day, Wednesday, we had a rainy ride of fifteen miles to Lumberton, which I had not visited for some years. I was present at its foundation and nomination. There are now, I suppose, about twenty families and a hundred buildings, an academy, which serves also as a church, a very good prison, and a courthouse, it being the county town of Robinson. Its property is much owing to the navigation of Drowning Creek, down which lumber and other articles are conveyed to Georgetown, and thence frequently the merchandise is sent to Charleston. And Snethen preached, I only exhorted. Presbyterian ministers, Brown and Emnair, attended. I had a Christian interview with them, and I learned with pleasure that their labors had been owned and blessed among the Scotch Presbyterians. We lodged at Robert Hiles. We have a small society in this town. Drowning Creek, so called from the drowning of some Indians, is the northeast branch of P.D. River. 
It rises in Cumberland County, North Carolina, is fed by Ten Miles and Great Swamp, passes through Robinson County, flowing about 100 miles before it mingles with the waters of P.D. At Ford's Bridge, Little P.D. unites with Great P.D., 12 miles below Britain's Ferry. The northwest branch of the first-mentioned river flows about the same distance as Drowning Creek, but its navigation is not so good. Thursday 3. I preached at Riggins's chapel in a powerful gale of wind. My subject was Acts 11.23. Daniel Brown gave an energetic exhortation. I ordained William Glover to the office of deacon. After dining at Joseph Riggins's, we went on to Frederick Miller's at Mine Creek. I was very unwell today. I could not eat, yet I was compelled to labor under great mental dejection. End of section 10. Recording by Brian Keenan.